I wish I had the confidence in today's episode that this song seems to inspire. <laughs> Because you never know. Sometimes when you make the pecan pie, it's perfect. And other times it's real soupy. When I hear that song, I just think about the old guy that hasn't been able to get an erection for years. Then he takes a Viagra and just play this song. (laughs) It's back! It's back after all this time! Oh, glory! It's it's interesting that you should make that reference because... um, you know, this is the scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick, where where the monkeys find the monolith, yes. the ancient artifact from yes, outer space. Yes, very phallic. Well, I, it's, I, you, maybe that's what you like to call it. Maybe wow. you nicknamed it the monolith. I'm not sure. This is The Brian Oak Show, episode 57, recording here in the Smart Start MN studio in the heart of South Minneapolis on Chicago Avenue, and it's good to be back with you. I am Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard, business partner, producer, man about town. Also, back pain sufferer. Are you feeling any better? I am about 80% better. I okay, that's good. I couldn't walk over the weekend. I was in so much pain. Man, that sucks. I know yeah. people that have chronic back pain, and I just, I can't, I can't fathom it. It's, uh, it sounds really terrible. It's crazy because I made it through the move. I made it through golf rounds, and then I go to change a client's furnace filter, and I was just in the same position for too long, yeah. and it just popped, and, and my knees buckled, and I was in major pain. Well, and it I, happened I, again the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you feel better, and I hope you're doing well. Hey, we have a really cool guest on the show today. Popular TV morning anchor Jason DeRusha is going to be joining us in mere moments from now, and he made a couple great pulls on songs. I'm very excited to know that in addition to knowing his way around a newsroom, knowing his way around music, and knowing his way around food, that he also like likes some good songs. So we'll talk to him shortly, but there's one thing I, I need to get off my chest. I remember a couple weeks ago you mentioned, you know, between the way that nobody's life is like it used to be. We're all wearing masks like we're in some dystopian Blade Runner future and the loss of youth sports. You started to bristle at the term the new normal. Yes. Which I totally understand. I have reached the breaking point on something else that has really risen to the surface during the course of the corona pandemic. And that is, I watch a lot of TV, you know, and I watch a lot of cable TV. So there's no shortage of commercials. It's not eight minute breaks, but there's no shortage of commercials But in this day and age, more than 75% of the commercials, and I don't think I'm overstating it, start out with some sort of plaintive piano music. And the following terms, in these uncertain times, in these uncharted waters, now more than ever, it's important that we dot, 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 whatever. And none of those things are wrong. These are uncertain times. These are uncharted waters. And there are certain things that it's more important now than ever that we do. But just the the tugging at your heartstrings, I think it's important to remember that with advertisers, they have always wanted your money. And now they are being emotionally manipulative in an uncertain time. For the first time ever, we're giving you 19% off for the code. COVID-19 sale. Exactly. <laughs> Their margins are dwindling and they are in business. There's nothing wrong with making money. Hell, we're trying to make money here on the Brian Oak Show. <laughs> but also, like, I mean, just the, the constant, like, now, more than ever, 
Oh, I just, it, is, it started. It started to make me angry the other night, and I was like, I was like, okay, okay, sh- it's just an advertisement. You can mute it, Brian. You don't have to listen. But again, every one of them, like, there's a playbook out there. Like, they've done so much market research on getting ready for this. It all starts out with some sort of not sad but thoughtful piano music, and then in these uncertain times and some slow-mo of people yeah. with masks on helping each yep. other it's driving me crazy so coronavirus please hit the fucking road nerd i am so tired of what you've done to people i'm so tired of how you've changed this world i do work at a record store and yesterday we had customers in for the first time very limited numbers allowed into the store gigantic plastic spit shield in front of the cash register everybody who comes in has to have a mask on and that's the other thing Smart. Being required to wear a mask, oh, and just slathered in gallons of hand sanitizer. Yes. There was nothing in there that was dirty, man. The last thing I'll say, and I know we've mentioned it before on the show, being required to wear a mask if you go into a place of business is not a threat to your constitutional rights. Wearing a mask, and I'm not sure that people understand this, wearing a mask is not about keeping you safe. If you're a brave pioneer on the frontier of corona adventure, good for you. Stay away from everybody else. It's about protecting other people from you because guess what? Maybe you are young and fit and brave and you've got it and you are asymptomatic and nobody knows. You don't even have a sniffle. You got nothing. And you give it to me and then I bring it to someone else who brings it to their baby or to their elderly relation your constitutional rights, your your desire to not wear a mask is not more important than someone staying alive and beating this thing and avoiding this thing. And not to oversimplify, but I would like to see this study done. The same guys that leave the urinal or the toilet and you're in the, your shared restroom and they just walk right out without washing their hands. No way, I'm both. just wondering, one of the... You know, they're the same guys that are refused to wear a mask because of their civil liberties and their, you know. And it sounds like I'm making a pun here, but I, there is there is a certain sect out there that thinks like wearing a mask is somehow emasculating, right? Like they think that it's somehow robbing them of their manhood. Here, here's the deal. In the bathroom, like I don't scrub up like I'm, I'm like after I go to the bathroom, I don't scrub up like I'm going in for deep surgery. But you got to wash your hands. Just try to get most of the urine and and fecal flex off your hands. That's always a good pointer. (laughs) It's the Brian Oak Show, made possible by Smart Start MN. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. That means if you or a friend or someone you know, a friend of a friend, a relative, has a DUI, they're going to have a hard time getting their license back and getting back on the road. But you can make that process shorter. You can make it simpler and for way less money than you would imagine by talking to our friends at Smart Start MN. Yeah, and if if you're like Brian and you don't train every day to go to the bar... Um, if you go to the bar on June 1st and you haven't drank in a while, please get a ride home. Otherwise, you'll be calling Smart Start or go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation Sean, of the inter- inter- ignition interlock system. Sean, I understand how important it is to get the reps in, okay? If you, do, if you don't get your, it's like getting your steps in, you don't get your drinking reps in, you're not going to be prepared. You should not go back out to the bar or you should Uber. Here's the bottom line. Don't drink and drive. But so many people make that mistake and they get pop. Rightfully so. You don't want to hurt yourself you don't want to hurt somebody else but you need to get back to your regular life at some point here whatever the new normal is right Sean 
Oh. <laughs> SmartStartMN.com slash The Brian Oak Show. Let's go ahead and hear some music. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Twin Cities sportscaster, James Beard Award nominee because of his love of food and his pursuance of food, which will be interesting to talk about what that looks like right now in the COVID world that we live in. Jason DeRussia will be our guest just ahead. In the meantime, I was thinking about uh, an artist who was going to be on the show already at this point. She had two shows lined up at the Skyway Theater, yeah. two doors down from us on Parkway. Chicago Avenue at the Parkway. And those, of course, had to be canceled because we are not allowed to go to shows right now. We're not allowed to go to restaurants. She's one of my favorites. I've interviewed her a half dozen times, and she's really one of my favorites to see live because I don't know what I love so much about her. She's a great songwriter. She's a great singer. But she has that thing. Sometimes you see a person that I, I, I hate the term X factor, but she has it. She has charisma. She has Je ne sais quoi. The, exactly. A certain <laughs> joie de vivre. Uh, she has this dynamism on stage. I can never take my eyes off her. Plus, I think she's a really nice person. I've had a chance to interview her a half dozen times, and she's she's just really, really great. And now she bought a farm in Iowa. She went up to California to try to pursue the dream for 10 years. and was like, screw that. I'm a Midwestern girl. Came back, <laughs> bought a farm in Iowa, and she's just one of the greatest. This is Lissy. Don't you give up on me on The Brian Oak Show.
Her albums are fantastic, but she's absolutely one of my favorite live performers. And she has in spirit and on text agreed to be on the Brian Oak Show podcast, which you're listening to now, episode 57. I just, I want to have her in person. She's such a dynamic and cool individual. And I bet there's a better than average chance she'll pick that guitar off the wall and play a song for us live. So I'm waiting until we can all be back together and things like that can happen before we have Lissy on the show. Yeah, we have some artists that we have both talked about that we're like, we just got to wait. And then there's some that we've had on phone that we're like, oh, yeah. I'm glad we had them on the phone. And now we're going to have them in person. We in absolutely the next couple are. Months. We absolutely are. Hey, it is the Brian Oak Show, which is supported in part by Busters on 28th. They are an amazing bar, pride themselves on an almost unparalleled selection of tap beers, bottled beers, and wine. But their food, to me, is since I'm not really a beer or wine guy, their food, to me, is... Well, they're three blocks from my house, and having a place that's that diverse, that good, and we've talked about this before, what I like about them is their food is ultra high quality. Well, in fact, we had it last night. I had a pulled pork sandwich from them last night. I didn't go down there to get it. My wife did because I was taking a little after-work nap, but we talked to John, who's been a guest on the show before. She talked to John and saw him, and um, uh, their food... They they use like the highest quality ingredients without arting it up too much. Like yeah. there's no extruded star fruit fruit foam on things that kind of no. stuff. No, yeah, no, it's pretty straight ahead. But I I just love everything about it. I'm trying to trying to try different things on the menu. Yeah. when I go there, and so my wife will even get something different than I'm getting, and then I'll like I I like sweet potato fries, um, but I don't always like them. But they have like a sauce with it. Yeah, that's super delicious and so i tried that and got some other stuff and it was great yeah i don't like sweet potato fries so i've never ordered them there yeah. but i do like their french fries and their their house-made potato chips i know that oh, sounds silly to people i got those yeah they're amazing yep. they're exceptional so busters on 28th.com and that's using the numbers two and eight busters on 28th.com they are like everybody else in these challenging times dealing with a difficult situation. However, they're also doing a pretty brisk business and things seem to be good there. I don't want the, already and more restaurants are getting announced. They're closing forever. Pazaluna Luna in downtown St. Paul. Oh, I heard that gone. And which is a bummer because I've eaten there a bunch of times. Just, I want my neighborhood to still be interesting and vibrant on the other side of this, whether that's weeks from now, June 1st, which I highly doubt, months from now, whatever the case may be. I just, um, so I urge you to support them because they, during these uncertain times, in these uncharted waters, have continued to support the Brian Oak Show. Gotta love those guys. All right, now let's get to today's featured guest. He is a well-known face and a well-known name in the Twin Cities and the greater upper Midwest because he is, well, at least since 2013, has been a morning anchor on WCCO Channel 4 here in the Twin Cities, but I'm sure also on their many affiliates scattered throughout the area. But he's actually been at WCCO since 2003, so he's racing up on 20 years of doing it here. You know, he started out doing sort of the weird live shots and the weekend stuff, and then we do the over night stuff and started doing more and more features and at one point somebody over there which is shocking in the world of televised media said you know what this guy's pretty good he's got that thing we should we should make him our morning guy and he's been doing it for the last seven years none other than and also i mean a well-noted food critic which we'll get to shortly but we've got jason derusha joining us right now on the brian oak show episode 57 jason how are you brian i'm great thanks for having me i i'm I, feel so old after that introduction no i was the young guy i was the young guy when i started here i was the youngest 
Reporter on the air at Channel 4 when I started yeah, but in 2003. As you know, working in media, though, surviving that and being around as long as you have is not a common occurrence. So now you, you get <laughs> True, the yeah. privilege of being the, the grizzled veteran that the youngsters come to. My old buddy Steve Nelson who I used to do, uh, he's now the uh, director of National Public Radio or something, but he and I used to do a morning show together, and we would always joke because we'd only been doing it for a year or two together. Well, you know, when you've been in the business as long as I have, and then one day, 20 years later, I, one day, 20 years later, I saw him, and we were like, oh, that's not even funny anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, so Jason, before... It is true. There is something to surviving it. I mean, especially, and you know this, well, we are in a business Unlike uh, the sales business, where you can look to like an easily quantifiable, here's how many you know widgets I sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our business, it's very much like you know. You, I mean, you can read ratings a million different ways, and I uh, like you work on an ensemble situation, so you know we all can find different people to blame or <laughs> or give credit. So, exactly. That's how. How the numbers are shaking out. Well, it seems like we got a problem with the weather guy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that weather guy is really dragging us down. We're gonna, yeah, no, and, and management comes in and they like they have that sort of they, the the brow is furrowed and they're they're flipping through papers and you're like, oh, one of these again. Okay, okay, right. cool. Well, so you've been doing this for a long time, but I'd like to know a little bit more about you because you and I have met before. We've talked before, but this the whole nature of this podcast is the intersection of music and life, and so I'd like to know a little bit more about the. Life lives of the people who are on the show before we hear the songs they pick. You grew up in suburban Chicago, yeah? I did, yeah. Grew up in a very typical kind of middle class, lower middle class family. My dad worked. My mom stayed at home with the kids. I'm the oldest of, well, mostly I grew up with two siblings, uh, 14 years when I was 14, there was a bit of a surprise in our family. And my, uh, my awesome younger sister was born, but, uh, let's just say when you were a, a middle schooler having the realization that your parents, mm-hmm. uh, work making a baby yeah was a little horrifying <laughs> yeah no i get that but, but also not only that but like so my wife who also grew up in suburban chicago at 14 her mom uh met a new man and she has a sibling who's 14 years younger and what she informed me of is that meant a lot of babysitting that was necessarily yeah. not necessarily on the plate <laughs> it's true and i at that time you know, this would have been like the late 80s, early 90s. And so uh, whenever I would go somewhere with my baby sister, I got dirty looks because people thought I was a teenage dad. And teen pregnancy was like a big, a big oh, thing we were all talking about back then. Wow. Remember? So, yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, first of all, like you're the, uh, you're like you're the 15 year old dad. I don't have that kind of game. And like, I, let's be real. <laughs> that was oh. not. It was not in the cards. Yeah. No. Well. Okay. So that's your family life. You're growing up. What is your vector then? Not only to Minnesota, but are you a college guy? Did you did you go study mass communications, or how how did you find your way to news? Yeah. So I, you know, in my high school had a radio station, and I really all I ever wanted to be up in suburban. I wanted to be on WGN radio, which is kind of the WCCO radio of Chicago. Absolutely. The big blowtorch talk radio, 
service kind of, you know, weather, traffic, news, uh, but I, I really believe, the heartbeat of Chicago kind of station. I believe we call those the 100,000-watt flamethrower. <laughs> exactly. But back then, exactly, it, yeah. people don't listen to AM like they used to. Back then, no. at nighttime, AM radio, I mean, you could bounce signals, and there would be people probably hearing the overnight guy in Arizona off of WGN. Right. I mean, AM radio was a weird, weird animal back then. Oh, yeah. I, as a kid, I used to, so like growing up in Chicago, if you wanted to follow the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team, they weren't on TV. You had to listen on radio. So at night, I'd be listening to the radio broadcasts of, uh, of the Blackhawks when I was growing up. And then when it wasn't hockey season at night, you know, uh, I was a Cubs fan. We didn't have night baseball. So you would bounce around, and I remember listening to radio out of uh, out of uh, St. Louis and out of uh, Philadelphia. You could hear it from everywhere. You could hear CO sometimes, uh, depending on how wind blowing and yeah, what the exactly. night was like. Hey, what, what, are the, uh, what are the solar winds like? Right, right. So I uh, we had a high school radio station, and this was before the Fox Sports networks of the world were doing all the high school sporting events or the, you know, here they had the, the hockey tournament, high school hockey tournament. Well, CCO had it for a number of years, but, uh, our high school radio station was the only way you could follow our high school teams, uh, even when they were in the state tournament. So I remember going down doing play by play of our girls high school basketball team. What? So anyway, I did radio in high school, went yep. to college, Studied, went to Marquette University, studied uh, political science and broadcasting, and uh, uh, our high school had a better radio station than Marquette did. Mm -hmm. So I went uh, down the hall to the TV station and was like, God, let's see what this is about. And they would let, as a freshman at Marquette, uh, you could work at the student TV station. We, had, we theoretically had a faculty advisor, but we could do whatever we wanted. We produced like game shows and newscasts, and I just I fell in love with it. Well, and, and so and, and and obviously, I mean, it is fun. It's interesting. The thing I loved about doing broadcasting is it was different every single day, even when it was the same. Yeah. Even when there was a routine, you never quite knew exactly what you were going to get, and it was always interesting. And I, much like I enjoy doing this podcast, it's fun to talk to people. It's fun to dig in. What's different now is I get to dig in a little deeper, and it's great. But we still do play music on this show which is why we're only available on Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio, because that allows us to play full songs. And every single guest that comes on, I ask them to pick music. It's never a cool contest. It never has any restrictions, provided we can find it online. You know, unless it's like, oh, man, my uncle was in this band called Dark, <laughs> Dark Roses. Yeah, I'm like, no, we don't, we don't have any of that available. We got nothing there. <laughs> However, you made a couple of excellent polls today. And this first one, and so again, it's never a cool contest. I'm never trying to put anybody's feet to the fire. I love that people love music. And you picked my f single favorite cake song in their entire catalog. And they've got a lot of great songs, but this damn song I love so much. Why do you love this song? So I love, uh, I love pop music. Mm -hmm. I love uh, songs with a great hook. But I also love great uh, lyricists. And I think... Uh, this song, just the lyrics of this song are so clever and so funny. Uh, and they transport me back to 
you know, they take me back to like college age, and I just, I just love this song. I think it's and a, a great hook too. It, the hook isn't. That's the whole bit to me. Is like even when I was a kid listening to punk rock, there had to be a song in there. There had to be hooks. There had to be a melody. And this song right here, I mean, this is a groover, man. You, you made a good pull. We'll come back and talk to Jason Derusha more right after this. Here's Cake, short skirt, long jacket on the Brian Oak Show. All right, Jason, you won't be able to hear the song while it's playing because it's on the same channel here, but we'll be back with you in a few minutes when the song's over. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks.
that band, there's no band that makes better use of the vibra slap than <laughs> than that band. I mean, again, you know, it's kind of like a mixture of a cowbell and a ball on a spring. But there, there are so many songs where the vibra slap rules. And the other thing I love about that particular song by Cake, Short Skirt, Long Jacket, is as I've gotten older and I got a knee that doesn't like me very much, yeah. uh, chair dancing has become more important to me than actual <laughs> dancing dancing. And that's a good one right there. You can still move your ass to that song in your own chair. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 57. Before we get back to talking to Jason DeRussia, uh, WCCO Morning TV host, and also we're going to talk food next and what this new weird world we look live in looks like. Um, I want to talk to Sean Bernard, my business partner, producer, also a realtor for uh, Edina Realty at the 50th and France location, and it's startling to me because yesterday I was at my other job which is Mill City Sound, a record store in Hopkins. And they opened to the public for the first time. Very restricted number of people inside, everyone wearing gloves, everything wiped down. You can't come in without a mask. Gigantic, almost bulletproof spit shield in front of the cashier area. And it was amazing how eager people were to do something that felt normal. I mean, you can still buy your stuff online. There's a zillion things online to buy from Mill City Sound, but the number of people who were waiting when the doors opened to 10 was a little startling. Again, we had to limit how many people could be in there, but people want to get to some sense of normalcy right now, but I think we all also agree it's important not to rush it. This isn't over. We're not done with this. And if we're not careful, it might get worse than it was before. So we have to be careful right now. How does realty look in 2020, late May? Well, it's been crazy. I felt really fortunate. Thursday, I uh, listed a house. We had 14 showings that were all separated. I had the hand sanitizer, everything set out. And then we got three offers and took the best one. And, wow. and it's been crazy. So the MLS uh, just announced that we can start doing open houses again, but I'm not going to do them yet right um the other because it's really odd i mean you basically have to tell people hey we can't have you're gonna have to have somebody manning the door yep somebody inside the house we call it staffing the door staffing the door thank you very much instead of womaning or manning it's just staffing what a pig i know what a horrible human being (laughs) so uh if you are interested in buying or selling you've been thinking about it you've been trapped at home give me a call at 612-859-2594 you can also text that same number. Remember, a portion of every home that's sold uh, will go to the warming house. They're not open yet, uh, but what they, when they are, I also give everybody uh, that buys or sells a one-year membership for two to the nonprofit local music venue, the warming house in the basement of Farmstead Bike Shop. I have to imagine that most people listening to this show are fans of music, and the room they have downstairs is impossibly intimate. Not good for the COVID era, but once we get to the other side of this, I mean, it holds 50 people max and maybe less than that. But when you see a show down there, you might as well have the person sitting and playing just for you in your living room. It's a really intimate, cool place, and everyone who goes there has that same sort of respect and love for music. The Warming House does a really... I've been there a few times. They do a great job. They sure do. All right, very good. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 57. We're talking to Jason DeRussia. I was thinking about the times that I've seen Cake live, and they're one of those booty-shaking bands, and I was then it reminded me the Vibra Slap is fun, but it also reminded me of another band, Fitz and the Tantrums, who had a couple of minor radio hits, and they live are one of the... If you like to kind of close your eyes, have a drink or two, or maybe not drink at all, just close your eyes and, and swivel your hips, they're also another one 
of those bands. So really nice pull there, Jason. Jason DeRussia, you uh, are you still going into WCCO on the regular every morning? I am. I'm one of the few that is going into the station, and uh, I kind of like it, to be honest. It's you, you work in the morning. There are not that many people in the building anyway. Right. Um, but it does give a little bit of normalcy to such an abnormal period of time. And I also think it's, um, I don't know, I've heard from a number of viewers who find it comforting the fact that, like, I'm still there at the desk, you know, instead of being in my basement or whatever. Yeah, well, it, I think we've all done enough Zoom meetings now that that look has <laughs> gotten a little exhausting. And there is something comforting, yeah. not only in each of us having our own daily routine, but in turning on the television and seeing a familiar face, a familiar voice, a trusted voice, a trusted face. So I'm glad you're still doing it. I'm sure you guys are doing all the best practices things so that you're as safe as possible. Oh, yeah. Now, I know we can't keep you for too long here, but I do want to make sure we talk about your side hustle. At some point, you became became the food critic, the chief food critic at Minnesota Monthly Magazine. If people have not seen your Twitter handle at DRussiaEats, D-E-R-U-S-H-A-E-A-T-S, you are a guy who goes out and samples everything. Now me, I have tried to expand my palate in recent years, but I am picky. As I wrote on Twitter yesterday, the only thing that would make me hate cottage cheese more is if it was garnished with live wasps. Um <laughs> And uh, so I'm not as adventurous as you are. How did you, before we talk about what it looks like to be in the restaurant and the food world right now, how did you venture into food? Was that always a thing you wanted to do? How, what, what, what was the no, genesis of you becoming the food not. guy? Yeah, I, first of all, let me confirm your view on cottage cheese. Oh. I also, <laughs> an absolute mystery to me. <laughs> yeah. Probably have to, it may be the, like, if I, Number one thing that I don't care for, that's probably it. It's my, it's my number one hated food of all time. It's cold. It's yeah. wet. Yeah. It tastes like you're eating the brains of some small woodland creature. And um, yeah. no, I hate it. I hate it. I, I'm so glad. Right. Jason, look at that. We're bonding. I love that. But how did you get into food? Right. No, you're. <laughs> so uh, my food writing uh, career is a pretty good example of like hanging out a shingle and saying you know about something and then proving to people that. Uh, you know, you do know about something. So when it started, I did not, in fact, know about food. I, uh, I came <laughs> at it as a diner. My wife and I, for fun, what we do is go out to eat. And that's always been the case. We met in college at Marquette in Milwaukee, and we went out to eat. That was that was our entertainment. And um, so I ended up, you know, when you, when you work in TV, you end up, like, doing the personal appearances, just like in radio where you are the celebrity judge at some pie competition or whatever. The chicken wing ding. The chicken wing ding is the one I remember the most because I was the one non-NFL player there. I've never (laughs) smelled... I'm 5'11", and I'm also not entirely thin, but I've never felt smaller in my entire life being surrounded by NFL players. Those people are monsters, but good, athletic, and decent monsters. But anyway, so you start doing all these appearances, and... so I was... I was judging next to uh, Dara Moskowitz Dahl, who at the time was the editor at Minnesota Monthly. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to expand the food pages to do suburban restaurant reviews. And apparently I didn't sound like a total idiot when I was judging <laughs> food uh, with her. And so she asked me if I wanted to do it. And I asked some people I trusted. And I, I asked Andrew Zimmer. And I was like, what do you think? 
And he said, well, say yes. And if you don't like it, then say uh, you don't want to do it anymore. And I've been doing it now for about 10 years and uh, actually got nominated for a James Beard Award for some my uh, television food coverage. So. Exactly. No, so I mean, like you, you've obviously, even if you were only sort of a food enthusiast at first, you have become something of a, uh, well, not only an expert, but a raconteur. I mean, being nominated for a James Beard Award is not a small feat. For people who don't know what that is, feel free to look it up on your own time, not while we're listening to this very important episode of The Brian Oak Show. <laughs> um, but you've been with Minnesota Monthly Magazine now for a while. It's interesting because yeah. we live, as I mentioned in the early part of the show before we we called you i'm getting real tired of all the commercials that are saying in these challenging times in these uncharted waters but we are in challenging right. times and uncharted waters so television has probably never been more popular but you know as you know print media is a contracting medium right and so right. um right. but they, then they try to increase their online presence that's got to be and then also with restaurants like busters on 28th who support this particular show they're doing curbside but the the margins in the restaurant business were never huge yeah. to begin with and so people need to support the things they love like if you love minnesota monthly get a subscription if you love your local pub your local restaurant your local whatever keep doing the pickup if you have the financial means a lot of people are under the thumb right now i totally get that what's it like right now out there so you have being a guy who goes to restaurants who does regular reviews yeah. who is is sort of on the very front lines the last couple months are night and day different to what your life looked like before oh yeah i mean we had you know we have a magazine that goes to print a month and a half before it shows up in people's mailboxes and so we had to throw out all of the reviews that we had knowing that, uh, you know, are these restaurants going to be around uh, by the time this shows up in people's mailboxes? It is a precarious time. I think prior to the coronavirus, we had too many restaurants in the twin cities for our population. Really? Opening a restaurant is a very attractive ego play to someone with money. And we've had a couple of things going on over the last five years that has led to, I would argue, too many seats in the Twin Cities. Interesting. So you have the growth of uh, uh, brew pubs, right, which is a category that never used to exist. Mm -hmm. And now you have 60 in the t metro area. Right. Uh, all of them have a food truck there. Well, most people used to be going to restaurants, and now they're going to brew pub instead. That's a big change. And then all these new apartments that have gone up. Remember when apartment buildings on the main floor, the amenities they had were laundromats and gyms and maybe little tiny grocery stores. Now all of them have a restaurant. So there are just so many more seats, so many more restaurants in the Twin Cities. And our population's not growing that much. Plus, the suburbs has seen huge growth in restaurants, independent restaurants even. So I would say that prior to this, we probably had, at a minimum, 10% more restaurants than our population could support. There were a lot of restaurants that were kind of floating along and hoping to make it through the Super Bowl and then hoping to make it through the NCAA tournament. Um, and just, you know, there's always some rich guy who wants to be able to tell all their friends that I'm the owner. So you have investors who had great success in the stock market in the first three years of the Trump administration, 
And those people have money. And so a number of them put money into restaurants and, and here we are. So prior to this, we had too many restaurants. So a lot of those restaurants that were maybe on the edge are, are going to go away. Well, hey, uh, what remains to be seen is what's going to happen to some of the more, you know, the places that were doing fine, maybe weren't doing great, but were doing well enough. Are those places going to be able to make it? We don't know. Well, two things. One, that's a fascinating perspective because I hadn't really thought about the fact that there were just too many seats to sit down in because, you know, you go to a place like Hi Hi and you wait for 45 minutes to sit down and eat, but every single thing on the menu is an absolute treasure. Not every place that opens is going to have that sort of demand or be that good. And frankly, there I know a contingent in Northeast Minneapolis that, that hated that. So I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that there were just simply too many seats, despite the fact that even in my neighborhood in Southeast Minneapolis, there are all these condos going up that have a brew pub or a restaurant or some sort of fancy place on the on the main floor that to me is fascinating but also we're losing some of the classic places already that have announced that they're closing forever i just saw yesterday that pausa luna which i've been to many times has decided they're closing their doors forever 20 years or so unbelievable uh, you know yeah well, and the, yeah. one, and the one that breaks my heart the most, it, only because it was my spot, like, you know, not unlike you, I also had to get up very early in the morning and would get my job done. So my happy hour hit about four hours earlier than most people's did. And on my way home, I would go through Uptown, despite its changing nature, which I'm not a, fa- a fan of, and I would hit Muddy Waters. And I, yeah. I became very, very good friends with the ownership group. I became good friends with all the staff there. And the fact that they're gone forever, that's a heartbreaker, man. I mean, we're going to stay, yeah. and, and the Wabashaw Caves just closed, even though that's more of a right. wedding or prom destination. Right. I mean, we're going to lose some really, really important pieces of our community. So even though we live in a place that a lot of people deem flyover country, that a lot of people deem uh, hicks, either it's corn in the summer and igloos in the winter, whatever the case may be, there really is an amazing diversity of art and expression, and also restaurants here. We have some very good ones. It's just, um, I mean, what if this thing goes on for another six months? What if we see a spike and people have to keep staying home? What does that mean for the future of Twin Cities restaurateurs? Well, uh, I think some of this stuff was moving in this direction already. This this rapid move to take out and curbside. Uh, I wrote a big cover story for Minnesota Monthly on the best uh, takeout and delivery spots, even though my preference is not takeout delivery. I like to, I like to sit down and sit at a bar and talk to people, but society is moving to more and more takeout and delivery. And this accelerates that every restaurant needs a plan for takeout delivery, online ordering, all those things need to happen. The other thing that I think is, we'll be curious to see how it shakes out. Restaurants, I think, in some ways run more like an art project than a restaurant, in, than a business in many cases. <laughs> yep. So, you know, who in their right mind would spend their life working at a business with where your profit margin is maybe 5%? Mm-hmm. It's, that's rough. So even the most, you know, you look at the Bachelor Farmer, which, which announced it's closing forever. Fine dining almost never makes money. It's just very, very labor intensive. The ingredient cost is through the roof and it's just expensive. Your dishes are expensive. The design of the building is expensive. All those things. 
Um, what really made money for those guys was the cafe and the bar in the basement. And so most restaurants, the food cost is being subsidized by prices at the bar, right? We've all paid $8 for a pint of craft beer or $15 for a glass of wine, knowing that the bottle costs $15. Exactly. Um, it's because we're not willing to pay $18 for that cheeseburger. But the truth is, like, maybe the cheeseburger should cost $18. Or maybe they need to figure out ways to lower their labor costs or lower ingredients or whatever. So I do think a number of restaurants are taking this time to really evaluate their business. You know, is their business being run right? I think restaurants competed on price for food for a long time and just let the booze absorb the price of the various you know, growing costs in insurance and labor. And, you know, I think $15 an hour for employees is a good thing. That's where society wants people to be. But, you know, it's, it's uh, added, it adds a lot of cost to restaurants. And where's that going to come from? I think those are things that, you know, maybe we'll see higher food costs. Maybe we'll see more counter service. This market's been slow to go to the counter service model compared to other big cities. Rent is too high. I mean, all these things are factors. Yeah, agreed. And it, we have so much more to talk about, but we have to wrap the show, unfortunately. I didn't get to ask you about Peter Jennings. I didn't get to ask you about Diane Sawyer, because I have a couple of serious questions about Diane <laughs> Sawyer. Um, we didn't get to talk about your time as a swimming pool concession stand manager, because I have spent right. lots of time in swimming pools. So do me a favor, <laughs> Jason, do me a favor. When we get back to a point where people feel comfortable hanging out with each other, we have a modest but lovely studio in South Minneapolis on Chicago, right next to the Parkway Theater. I would love to have you back on another time, because I feel like we could talk about a lot more. Will you come back sometime? I will. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Now, before we let you go, I do have to know about your last song here because I know you grew up in suburban Chicago and Sufjan Stevens is one of those guys that I go very hot and cold on. Some of it's like, like Boney Vare, a little too weird and light and airy for me, but then there are songs like this that are so bright and so brilliant. Tell me why you love Chicago by Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, this is one of those songs where the first time I heard it, I just couldn't believe it. I just thought, like, I've never heard a voice quite like this or a song like this. And then I bought the, then you buy the album and you're like, oh, there are a lot of bad songs on this album. <laughs> right? I've been there a lot of times. Get that experience. Yeah, no, a you lot. Know? No, because you can pick the singles that you want. <laughs> I work at a record right. store as my other job, so no, trust me. I've been recently. I'm like five bucks. Well, I'll pay five bucks for that one song, and then it's like, oh, I paid five bucks for that one song because the rest <laughs> of this is garbage. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm not saying that about Sufjan Stevens. I think that he is a very talented artist, but this song is clearly a standout in his catalog. I just love it. I love it. Obviously, the hometown nostalgia for me. Um, but I also just sheerly from a musical standpoint, I think this is a pretty cool song. You can catch him every weekday morning on WCCO TV. That's channel four here in the twin cities morning reporter, Jason DeRussia. And you can read his chief, uh, he's the chief food critic over at Minnesota monthly magazine. Uh, Jason, thank you very, very much.
things go. Drove to Chicago. All things known. All things known. We sold our clothes to the state. I don't mind. I don't mind. I made a lot of mistakes in my mind. In my
Right there, Sufjan Stevens with Chicago, a brilliant missive from his catalog, chosen by none other than Jason DeRussia. He is your morning anchor on WCCO-TV. I think he starts at like 4 in the morning or something ludicrous. I I wanted to ask him more about that, being a former morning guy myself. Those those are unforgiving hours, and people are like, well, you get used to it eventually. Nope. Fuck you. No, no you don't. You're never totally awake. No, and it, every morning that I used to wake up when the alarm went off, Either the house was on fire or there yes. was a killer in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. like, it just it was never normal. So I appreciate that he brings so much smiliness and so much positivity to what he does. He's also the chief food critic at Minnesota Monthly Magazine and a really good dude and made a couple of excellent musical polls. So if you want to follow him on Twitter, Derusha J. D-E-R-U-S-H-A-J or Derusha Eats if you want to follow his food stuff. Same thing on Instagram and on Facebook, Jason Derusha TV. I'm really glad he agreed to join us because once years ago at some charity event, he I maybe had a couple drinks and he came hmm. up and I accidentally called him Rick Cupcello. Oh no! And uh, I just he, he came up. He's like, "Hey Brian," I'm like, "Hey Cupcello." He's like, "Are you kidding me?" They, they don't look anything alike. <laughs> They're not the same person. I'm just an idiot. So I'm glad he didn't call me out on that and that he was willing to be on the show, which I genuinely appreciate. Hey, it is the Brian Oak Show. We're going to wrap up episode 57. We got one more song to come, but I want to thank Audio Quip. I don't know. We haven't talked to Nate in a while. We should check in with Nate because... I'd love to, yeah. They... Great guys. What they do is they provide audio equipment. They have provided us with this entire studio full of incredible professional audio equipment. But what they normally do is like whether you're doing a TED Talk or a rock show or whatever, they're the ones who provide live sound equipment. And right now there's not a whole lot of live sound going on. That may loosen up in the not too distant future, but they're going through a tough time like anybody. So my sincere, sincere thanks to the good people Nate and everyone else on the crew over at AudioQuip. You can learn more at AudioQuip.com and they can't come highly recommended enough. Nate is Nate's about as nice a guy as I've ever met in my whole life. I don't pretend to know him well. I couldn't say that we're deep friends. But I got to say, when it comes to doing business with someone, it's nice to work with people who give a shit. And they love re- music. Boy, they love music. Oh, man, they're into Great it. Guys. So, yeah, no, they're really, really good guys over there. And I got to thank Dave Gatzmer. Uh, uh, he does what Plug Industries on Instagram and Paint Boys, his regular day-to-day business. But he provided our logo and much of the art that you find here in the Smart Start MN studio located in the heart of South Minneapolis on Chicago Avenue, two doors south of the Parkway. Um, speaking of our logo, I believe that we had promised our patrons early on, our Patreon patrons, that we were going to do a live event once a month. Well, obviously the world has gone topsy-turvy and we can't do live events, but we promise to find another way to reach out to you, to get you something, to make it worth your while other than the high-quality entertainment you're getting on the podcast. (laughs) To find a way to thank you. And there was something beautifully twisted, and ironic and satisfying about the idea of tote bags. And that has now become a reality. We just ordered plenty of tote bags for every one of our Patreon supporters. We did. 
Yeah, they're going to be here on Friday. So here's the deal. We're still working out the best way to get them to you. For those of you who live out of state, we'll find a way to get them to you. But for those of you who live in state, we might do a safe social distancing tote bag handoff at our friend's Busters on 28th. We're still working out the details. We're going to talk to them about it. I'll try to reach out uh, to Michael and everybody over there uh, later on today. But we are going to have the BrianOakShow.com tote bags available with our logo and... um, I don't know, tote bags? It just, it seemed to strike a particular chord. Also, thank you to Amy Stubblefield Bartell, who does our website, and thank you to Rebecca Slater, new mom, who happened to coincide her the birth of her firstborn perfectly with the corona lockdown. She she keeps t- tweeting things like, I keep feeling like I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm like, oh no, th- but this, even if the world was normal, this is what I'd be doing yeah. is laying in bed with my baby all day. Such a cute baby. Oh my God. So congratulations to her and her husband. And uh, and again, thank you to every one of our Patreon members. You know, we've gotten a couple new ones recently and we cannot thank you enough for your ongoing support. We love doing this show and we will continue to explore the intersection of life and music. And if there's ever anything you have in mind, an idea you'd like, a guest you'd like to try us to, to pursue, you can go to the com and shoot an email to Sean right there and we'll see what we can do. And I'll try to forward it to you. Yeah, I'm not so good at answering the emails. <laughs> you know I'll text you to tell you that you've got an email. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks to Jason to Russia. Sean, thank you very much. I thank hope your you. week is good. We'll be back here on Thursday with... Carrie Morris, a.k.a. Carrie Noble, my dear friend, internationally acclaimed music star at one point in her career, actually big in Japan. I know that that's the thing that people like to say. Are you big in Japan? Are you? She she was big in Japan. That's crazy how that happens. She brought in one of those fashion magazines that's like two feet tall. Yeah. And they had done an eight-page spread spread? on her. it It was nuts. So in any event... These days, she's settled down a little bit more, but she's also still making music. She's also still teaching music, which to me is even more important. So this next episode, episode 58, we'll have Carrie Noble on. Uh, But as we wrap things up here, I wanted to play this song because I love this band so much. Some people claim they're a Scottish band because they got together in Scotland. Some people claim they're an Irish band because they're all Irish. They are Irish. I mean, all the members are Irish, but they got together when they were all in Scotland. And so Scotland likes to lay claim to them. And for whatever reason, at some point, not unlike Coldplay, it became fashionable to crap on this band, despite the fact that they are fucking brilliant. And this song right here openly refers to and makes a direct reference to the last song we played, Sufjan Stevens' Chicago. And it's about love and it's about keeping your eyes and ears open and i swear to god i'm getting through an episode without crying so we're just going to go into it right now we'll see you next time on the brian oak show here's snow patrol with hands open <laughs>